The Mystical City of God, The Incarnation, Book 3, Chapter 27. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Argreta, describes how the Lord prepared Most Holy Mary to meet Lucifer in battle, and how the dragon began to persecute her. 335. The Eternal Word, already made man in the womb of Mary the Virgin, and possessing her as his mother, was aware of the designs of Lucifer, not only through the uncreated knowledge of his Godhead, but also by the created knowledge of his humanity. He prepared the defense of his tabernacle, which was more estimable in his sight than all the rest of the creatures. In order to clothe the invincible lady with new strength against the foolhardy daring of the treacherous dragon and his hosts, the most holy humanity of Christ, rose up, as it were, in an attitude of defense in the virginal chamber of Mary in order to meet and offer battle to the princes of darkness. In this position he prayed to the Father and asked him to renew his favors and graces in Mary, in order that she might with added strength crush the head of the ancient serpent, that this woman might humiliate and overcome him, frustrate his designs and all his powers, and that she come forth triumphant and victorious over hell to the glory and praise of God and of his virginal mother. 336. The prayer of Christ our Lord was promptly fulfilled in the most blessed Trinity. Then in an indescribable manner, her most holy Son was shown to Mary in her virginal womb. In this vision the plenitude of graces and unspeakable gifts were granted to her. Illumined anew with additional light of wisdom she recognized the highest and most hidden mysteries that are impossible to describe. She understood especially that Lucifer had prepared vast designs of pride against the glory of the Lord, and that his arrogance rose up to drink the pure waters of the Jordan Job 40.18. The Most High, informing her of these things, said to her, My spouse and my dove, the infernal dragon thirsts with such wrath against my holy name and all those that adore it, that he wishes to drag toward him all without exception and with daring presumption he tries to blot out my name from the land of the living. I wish that you, my beloved, come to the defense of my cause and of my holy name, by giving battle to the cruel enemy, and I will be with you in battle, since I am in your virginal womb. I wish that you confound and destroy the enemies before I appear in the world, for they are convinced that the redemption of the world is nigh and therefore they desire to gain over and ruin all souls without exception, before the world is redeemed. I trust this victory to your fidelity and love. Do battle in my name just as I in yours, against this dragon and ancient serpent. Revelations 12.9 337. These words of the Lord and the knowledge of these secrets so move the heart of the Heavenly Mother, that I cannot find expression for that which then happened. When she understood, that her Most Holy Son wished her to defend the honor of the Most High, she was so inflamed with divine love and filled with such invincible fortitude, that if each one of the demons would have been an entire hell and filled with the fury of all its inmates, they altogether would have been only like a few weak ants compared to the incomparable strength of this our valiant leader. All of them she would have vanquished and destroyed by the smallest part of her virtues and of her zeal for the honor and glory of the Lord. 
and her divine protector and helper ordained this glorious triumph of his most holy mother over hell, in order that the arrogance of his enemies might no longer lord it over us, nor rest assured of being able to destroy the world. But he wished to hasten its redemption and put us mortals under obligation not only to the inestimable love of his most holy son, but also to Mary, our heavenly defender and reparatrix. She was to issue forth to battle, stop his progress, vanquish and suppress him, placing mankind on a proper footing for the reception of their Redeemer. 338. O sons of men, dull and slow of heart! How is it that you do not heed such admirable blessings? Who is man, that thou shouldst honor and favor him thus? Psalm 8 5. O Most High King! Your own mother and our mistress you send out to labor and combat in our defense. Who ever heard of similar happenings? Who has ever shown such force and ingenuity of love? Where is our intellect? Who has deprived us of the use of reason? What hardness of heart is this? What has drawn us into such vile ingratitude? What shameful conduct of men who, while they claim to love and honor her so much, are guilty of such low and infamous ingratitude as to forget such an obligation. The true nobility and honor of the sons of Adam would rather seem to consist in thanking her incessantly and sacrificing their lives in gratitude. 339. The obedient mother, offering herself to battle with Lucifer for the honor of her most holy son and of the holy trinity, and our own, answered him that had commanded her saying, My Lord and highest good, from whom I have received my being and all the grace and light which I possess, to you I belong entirely, and you Lord, have condescended to be my son. Do with your servant what shall be to your greater glory and pleasure. For if you are in me, and I in you, who shall be powerful enough to resist your will? I shall be the instrument of your almighty arm, give me your strength and come with me, and let us go forth to battle against the dragon with all his followers. In the meanwhile, Lucifer issued from the meeting, now filled with such hateful spite against her, that he considered the perdition of all the other souls as of small consequence. If we could know the fury of Satan as it is in reality, we would understand better what God says to holy Job that he counts steel as straw and bronze as rotten wood, Job 41-18. Such was the wrath of the dragon against most holy Mary, and such it is even now against the souls, for if he esteemed the most holy, the invincible and most strong woman to be no more than a dried-up leaf, what will he do to sinners, who like empty and decaying reeds do not withstand him, Ephesians 6-16. Living faith alone and humility of heart are the double armor which enable them to procure glorious victory. 340. In order to begin his battle Lucifer brought with him the seven legions with their seven principal leaders, whom after the fall from heaven he had appointed to tempt men to the seven capital sins, Revelations 12. Each of these seven squadrons he charged with the duty of exerting their utmost strength against the Immaculate Princess. The invincible lady was occupied in prayer, when the Lord permitted the first legion of devils to begin the battle by tempting her to the sin of pride, to which special work they had been appointed. They sought to approach the heavenly queen by trying to cause changes in her natural passions and inclinations, 
For this is the ordinary way in which the demons find access to other mortals, and they thought that she was infected in the same way as other men with passions disordered by sin. They could not however come as close to her as they wished, for they were repelled by the fragrance of her virtues and holiness, which tormented them more than the fire which consumes them. In spite of this obstacle and although the very sight of Most Holy Mary pierced them with raging torments, they nevertheless ignored their pains and lashed themselves into furious and ungovernable wrath in their obstinate endeavors to approach nearer to her and exert upon her their cursed and damnable influence. 341. The Most Holy Mary, who is alone and left only to her natural forces, stood prepared for the assault of those countless demons, yet she by herself was as formidable and terrible to them as many armies in battle array, Canticles 6-3. They presented themselves before her, Psalm 118-85, in the most horrid masks and with wicked lies. But the Sovereign Queen, teaching us how to conquer, did not change her position nor was moved interiorly or exteriorly, nor did she show any emotion of fear in her countenance. She took no notice of them, nor attended to them any more than if they had been the weakest ants. She despised them with an invincible and magnanimous heart, for this kind of battle, as it is a battle of virtues, is not accompanied by the extremes of noise and excitement, but is fought in all tranquility, in outward and inward peace and modesty. Just as little could she be moved by the passions and the appetites, for these were not in subservience to the devil and our queen. In her they were all swayed by reason, and this again was subject to God, since none of her faculties had been cast into disorder by the first sin as in the rest of the children of Adam. Therefore the arrows of these enemies, as David says, were like those of little children, Psalm 63 8 and their armories were like those which were without ammunition. Only to themselves were they harmful, for their weakness only brought upon them confusion. Although they were not aware of the innocence and the original justice of Most Holy Mary, and therefore did not understand that she was not to be injured by the common temptations, yet by the majesty of her bearing and her constancy they could conjecture their lack of success and how she despised them. Their efforts were not of the least avail, for as says the Apostle in the Apocalypse, Revelations 12:18, and as I have mentioned in the first part, the earth helped the woman who was clothed with the sun, when the dragon opened upon her the flood of his impetuous temptations, meaning thereby, that the earthly body of this lady had not been vitiated in its faculties and passions as those of others who had been touched by sin. 342. The demons then assumed corporeal shapes of the most horrible and dreadful kind, and they began to emit fearful howls, roaring with terrible voices, pretending to rush upon her and threatening destruction, they shook the earth and the house, striving also by other furious assaults to frighten and disturb the princess of the world, so that at least in this, or in making her desist from prayer, they might seem victorious. But the invincible and magnanimous heart of Most Holy Mary was not disturbed, nor moved in the least. It must be remembered, that in order to enter upon this battle, the Lord left her entirely to the resources of her own faith and virtue. He suspended the effects of the other favors and privileges, which she was accustomed to enjoying at other times. The Most High wished it so, in order that the triumph of his mother might be more glorious and honorable, 
Besides this there were the other reasons which God has in allowing the souls to be tempted in this manner. His judgments are unsearchable and unknowable, Romans 11.33. At times the great lady would repeat, Who is like unto God that lives in the highest and looks upon the humble in heaven and on earth? Psalm 112.5. By these words she routed the hosts that opposed her. 343. Then these hungry wolves laid aside their terrible shapes, they assumed sheep's clothing, transforming themselves into angels of light, resplendent and beautiful. Approaching the heavenly lady they said, You have conquered, you have conquered, we come to attend on you and reward your fortitude and invincible courage. Surrounding her, they protested their friendship in flattering and deceitful terms. But the most prudent lady withdrew within herself, suspended all the activity of her senses and raising herself above herself, Lamentations 3.28, by means of the infused virtues, adore the Lord in spirit and in truth, John 4.23. Despising all the snares of these evil tongues and their deceitful lies, she spoke to her most holy Son. My Lord and Master, light of light and my strength, in your help alone do I place all my confidence and the exaltation of your holy name. All those that speak otherwise I renounce, abhor, and detest. But the doers of evil persevered in their insane attempts against the mother of knowledge and continued to extol beyond the skies her, who had humiliated herself beneath the lowest of creatures. They protested that they wished to exalt her above all women and confer upon her an exquisite favor, they would select her in the name of the Lord for the mother of the Messiah, and they assured her that her holiness would be greater than that of the patriarchs and prophets. 344. Lucifer himself was the author of this new plot and his malice is here made known for a warning to other souls. But it was ridiculous to offer to Mary, the Queen of Heaven, a dignity already her own. They themselves were ensnared and deceived, not only in offering what they neither knew nor were able to give, but also in being ignorant of the sacrament of the king so intimately connected with the most blessed woman whom they persecuted. Nevertheless the iniquity of the dragon was great, because he knew that he could not fulfill what he promised. He tried to spy out whether perhaps our blessed lady held that dignity, or whether she would give him some signs by which he could conjecture it. Most Holy Mary was aware of this double dealing of Lucifer, and admirably met it with a quiet firmness. She answered the deceitful flatteries by quietly continuing her prayer and adoring the Lord. Prostrated upon the floor she humiliated herself, confessing herself as the most despicable of creatures, more despicable than the dust under her feet. By this humble prayer and prostration she cut off the presumptuous pride of Lucifer as long as this temptation lasted. As for the rest which happened, the cunning of the demons and their cruelty and lying deceits on this occasion, it seemed to me, that I should not relate all. Nor that I should expatiate on all that has been shown to me. Let this much suffice for our instruction for not all can be trusted to the ignorance of weak and earthly creatures. 345. Dismayed and routed, the first host of enemies retired and gave way to the second. These were to tempt her who was the most poor of humankind to the sin of avarice. They offered to her great riches, gold, 
silver, and most precious gems and in order that these might not seem empty promises, they placed before her a great quantity of these riches, although they were only apparent, for they thought that they could exert greater influence on her will, by actually presenting these objects before her. They accompanied this offer with many deceitful words and told her that God had sent her all this for distribution among the poor. When they saw that all this had no effect upon her, they changed their tactics and urged that since she was so holy, it was a great wrong that she should remain so poor. It was more reasonable that she possess these riches, than that they remain in the hands of wicked sinners, for this would be an injustice and in conflict with the divine providence that the just be visited with poverty, while God's wicked enemies abound in riches and affluence. 346. In vain, the net is spread before the eyes of the bird in flight says the wise man. This was true of all the temptations of our sovereign queen, but the malice of the serpent was much more preposterous in regard to this temptation of avarice, for this phoenix of poverty was so far removed from the earth, and winged her flight so far above that of even the seraphim, that such a vile and contemptible snare was entirely in vain. The most prudent lady, although she possessed divine wisdom, never undertook to argue with these enemies, as in truth nobody should, for they battle against the manifest truth, and will not admit defeat even when they must acknowledge its effects. The Most Holy Mary made use of some words of the Holy Scriptures and repeated them with serene humility. On this occasion she selected the words of the 118th Psalm. I have acquired for my heritage and for my riches, the keeping of your testimonies and your laws my Lord. Psalm 118-112 She made use of many other passages, gratefully praising and blessing the Most High because he had created and preserved her without her merits. In this most wise manner she rejected and overcame the second temptation, to the confusion and torment of these agents of iniquity. 347. Then advanced the third legion, led on by the prince of impurity who assails the weakness of the flesh. These made so much the greater efforts, because they foresaw more clearly the improbability of success and in truth they gained less than all the others, if one may speak of more or less in these different temptations of the Virgin Mary. They tried to suggest to her vile images and to produce before her eyes unspeakable monstrosities. But all their efforts vanished in midair, for the most pure Virgin, as soon as she had recognized the first signs of this vice, withdrew entirely within herself and suspended all the activity of her senses. Thus not even the shadow of a suggestion or indecent image could enter her thoughts, since none of her faculties were in action. With the most ardent longing she renewed many times her vow of chastity in the presence of the Lord, and she merited more on this occasion than all the virgins that ever existed or will exist in this world. The Almighty furnished her with such virtue that in comparison the sudden expulsion of the cannonball from the cannon, is but a poor image of the force with which these enemies were repelled from the presence of Most Holy Mary when they sought to touch her purity by their temptations. 348. The fourth legion undertook to test her meekness and patience, seeking to move this mildest dove to anger. This temptation was most annoying, for the demons overturned the whole house, they broke and shattered everything contained therein, 
and in such a manner as to cause the greatest amount of annoyance to the most meek lady, but her holy angels soon repaired all the damage. Foiled in this attempt, the demons assumed the shapes of some women known to the serenest princess. They flew at her with greater wrath and fury than if they had been real women, they added outrageous insults, dared to threaten her, and took possession of things most necessary. But all these were only despicable tricks in the eyes of her that knew them, for none of their pranks and assaults escaped the penetration of the Most Holy Mary. She disregarded them altogether and despised them entirely, without giving any signs of being moved or influenced by them. Then the demons chose a real woman of a disposition adapted to their purposes, whom they influenced by diabolical art against the Princess of Heaven. For this purpose one of the demons assumed the shape of an acquaintance of this woman and began to tell her that this Mary, the wife of Joseph, had slandered her in her presence, and had accused her of many gross faults, which this demon invented for the occasion. 349. The Deceived Woman who was naturally very much inclined to anger, hastened furiously to our meekest lamb and hurled at her the vilest accusations and insults. She however, allowing the angry woman to pour out her wrath gradually began to speak to her in words so humble and sweet, that she changed her entirely, appeased and softened her heart. When she had thus brought her about, she consoled and admonished her against the wiles of the devil. As this woman was poor, Mary added some alms and dismissed her in peace. Thus also this attempt was foiled just as were many others by which Lucifer tried to irritate our meekest dove and bring her into discredit. The Most High always defended the honor of His Most Holy Mother, making use of her own perfection in virtue and of her prudence and humility, so that the devil could never succeed in harming her good name in the least. She always acted so prudently and with so much meekness and wisdom, that the multitude of the hellish attempts were totally ineffectual. The tranquility and meekness of the sovereign lady during these temptations of the dragon caused the admiration of the angels. Even the demons were full of astonishment, though of a different kind, at seeing such behavior in a mere creature and that a woman, for never had they seen the like. 350. The fifth legion followed with temptations to gluttony. Although the ancient serpent did not bid our queen to turn stones into bread, Matthew 4 3, as he later presumed to do with her most holy son, for he had not seen her do such great wonders, since they had been withheld from his knowledge, yet he tempted her like the first woman with the pleasures of the taste, Genesis 1. They placed before her a great feast, in order to incite and mislead her appetite by outward allurance, they tried to influence the humors of her body, so as to cause in her a counterfeit hunger and they used other means to attract her attention to what they were offering. But all their labor was in vain and without effect, for from all these material and earthly things the noble heart of our princess was as far removed as heaven is from earth. Just as little did she use her senses in order to enjoy the pleasures of taste, indeed she never even took notice of them, for in all things she had set herself to counteract what our first mother Eve had done. Eve, without caution and heedlessly, looked upon the beauty of the tree of knowledge and upon its sweet fruit, and then had reached out her hand to eat, thus beginning our woe. Not so most holy Mary, who withdrew and locked up her senses, although she was in no such danger as Eve. 
Our first mother was overcome for our perdition while our queen conquered for our rescue and salvation. 351. Much dismayed by the frustration of the preceding hosts, the spirits of envy approached. Though they could not estimate the full perfection of the deeds of the mother of sanctity, they nevertheless felt her invincible strength. They had seen her so unmovable that they almost despaired of enticing her to any of their wicked purposes. Nevertheless the insatiable hatred of the dragon and his immeasurable pride would not yield, they laid new plots in order to provoke the lady most beloved of the Lord and of men to envy in others what she herself possessed and even what she abhorred as useless and dangerous. They drew up a long list of natural blessings possessed by others and denied to her. And as they thought that supernatural gifts would move her more, they mentioned great spiritual favors and blessings, which the Almighty had conferred upon others and not upon her. But how could these lying representations move her, who was the mother of all the graces and gifts of heaven? For the blessings of all the creatures taken together were less than her single privilege of being the mother of the author of grace. Precisely because His Majesty had so favored her and because the fire of His charity burned within her, she ardently desired that the hand of the Most High enrich and favor her fellow men so much the more. How then could envy find room, where charity abounded? 1 Corinthians 13 4. But the fierce enemies would not desist. They pictured to the Queen the apparent happiness of those who in their riches and good fortune, considered themselves happy and exalted in this world. They induced several persons to approach Most Holy Mary and describe to her the consolation of being rich and well-to-do. As if this deceitful happiness of mortals had not been condemned so often in Holy Scriptures, Psalm 48, and as if contempt of riches had not been the very science and doctrine, which the Queen of Heaven and her Most Holy Son had come to exemplify in their lives for the benefit of the whole world. 352. Those persons who came to our Heavenly Mother, were exhorted by her to use the temporal goods and riches well, and to give thanks for them to the Author of all good. She herself fulfilled this duty making up for the habitual ingratitude of men. Although the Most Humble Lady judged herself unworthy of the least of blessings of the Most High, yet her own sanctity and exalted dignity in point of fact gave witness to the words of Holy Scripture saying in her name. With me are glorious riches and justice. For my fruit is better than gold and precious stone, Proverbs 8:18. In me is all grace of the way and the truth, in me is all hope of life and of virtue. Sirach 24 25. In this exalted excellence of virtue she conquered all her enemies, astonishing and confusing them by this new experience. For they were made to feel that where they had exerted their greatest force and their deepest cunning, they gained least and experienced the greatest repulse. 353. Nevertheless the demons stubbornly persisted and proceeded with the seventh temptation, which was that of idleness. They sought to cause in her a corporeal indisposition, or a feeling of weakness and fatigue, accompanied by dejection of spirit. This is a trick of Satan that is little known and under its cover the sin of laziness causes much ruin among souls and prevents much progress in virtue. They suggested moreover that she postpone some exercises on account of weariness in order to be able to perform them so much the better after having rested. 
This too is one among many other tricks of Satan, and we do not often discover it or know what to do against it. They also sought maliciously to hinder the Most Holy Lady in some exercises by means of human creatures, whom they sent to visit her at unseasonable times, trying to impede the performance of some of her holy exercises and occupations at the time and an hour set for them. But all these delusions were detected by the most prudent and alert princess. She evaded them by her wise precautions, without permitting the enemy to succeed in any of them and acting in all things up to the standard of the most exquisite perfection. Her enemies were obliged to desist, hopelessly foiled and repulsed. Lucifer was full of rage against his companions and against himself. But in their fury and insane pride, they resolved to make one more general assault upon Mary, as I will relate in the following chapter. The Instruction Given to Me by Our Most Holy Queen, the Blessed Virgin Mary. 354. My daughter, although you have only very briefly summed up my lengthy battle against temptations, I wish that from what you have written and from what you know otherwise concerning these things, you learn the manner of resisting and overcoming the powers of hell. The surest way of fighting the demon is to despise him looking upon him as the enemy of the Most High, who has lost all fear of God and all hope of good, who in his stubbornness has deprived himself of all means of recovery and is without sorrow for his wickedness. Relying on this indubitable truth you should show yourself far superior to him, exalted and unflinching in your thoughts, and treat him as one who has contempt for the honor and worship of his God. Knowing that you are defending so just a cause, do not let your courage sink, but resist and counteract him with great strength and valor in all his attempts, as if you were fighting at the side of the Lord himself, for there is no doubt that his majesty assists all those that enter loyally into his battles. You are truly in good hope and in the way of eternal life glory, as long as you labor faithfully for your Lord and God. 355. Remember then, that the demons detest and abominate that which you desire and love, namely the honor of God and your eternal felicity, and that they are striving to deprive you of that which they cannot restore to themselves. God has reprobated the demon, while he offers to you his grace, his virtues and his strength in order to overcome his and your enemy and to procure for you the happy end of eternal peace, only you must work faithfully and keep the commandments of the Lord. The arrogance of the dragon is great, Isaiah 16:6. yet his weakness is greater, and he does not represent more than a weak atom in the face of the divine power. Yet as his cunning and malice far exceed that of mortals, Job 41:21, it is not advisable to allow the soul to bandy words with him, whether he is present invisibly or visibly, for from his darksome mind, as from a smoking furnace, issue the shadows of confusion, obscuring the judgments of mortals. If they listen to him, he will fill their minds with deceits and darkness, so that they will neither recognize the truth and the beauty of virtue, nor the vileness of his poisonous falsehoods. Thus the souls will be made unable to distinguish the precious from the worthless, life from death, truth from error, 
Jeremiah 15:19, and they easily fall into the clutches of this fierce and wicked dragon. 356. In temptation let it be your invariable course not to attend to anything which he proposes, not to listen, not to argue with him concerning anything at all. If you can withdraw and place yourself at a distance, so as not to perceive or recognize his wicked attempts, so much the more secure you will be for thus looking upon him only at a distance. The demon always seeks to prepare the way for his deceits, especially in souls which he fears will resist his entrance unless he can thus facilitate his approach. He is accustomed to begin by causing sorrow or dejection of heart, or he makes use of other trickery or snares, by which he diverts or withdraws the soul from the love of the Lord, then he comes with his poison, concealed in the golden cup in order to diminish the horror of the soul. As soon as you notice in yourself any of these signs, for you have your experience, obedience and instructions for a guide, I wish that with the wings of the dove you direct your flight to the high refuge of the Almighty, Psalm 54-7, calling upon him for aid and offering the merits of my most holy Son. To me also should you fly for protection as I am your mother and teacher, and to your devoted angels, and to all the rest of your advocates in the Lord. Quickly close up your senses and consider yourself as dead to them, or as a soul already belonging to the other life, where the jurisdiction and the exacting tyranny of the serpent does not reach. Occupy yourself so much the more earnestly in the exercise of the virtue contrary to the vice to which he tempts you, and especially in acts of faith hope and love, which dispel cowardice and doubt, and weaken the influence of discouragement and fear in the human heart. 357. The arguments for overcoming Lucifer you must seek in God alone, and do not disclose them to your enemy lest he meet you with fallacies and confusing pretense. Besides knowing it to be dangerous, esteem it as unworthy of you to argue with him openly, or to pay particular attention to him, who is not only the enemy of your beloved but also of you. Show yourself superior to him and high-mindedly apply yourself to the practice of all virtues. Be content with this treasure and withdraw yourself, for the most skillful battle of the sons of God consists in flying farthest from evil. The devil is proud and is deeply hurt by contempt, in the presumption of his arrogance and vanity he desires above all, the attention of men. On this account he is so persistent in pursuing us step by step, for in his deceitfulness, he cannot rely upon the force of truth, but on his persistent counterfeiting of the good and the true. As long as this slave of wickedness is not despised, he never believes himself discovered and he continues, like an annoyingly persistent fly, to buzz about the spot tainted by the greatest corruption. 358. Not less warily must you conduct yourself, when your enemy makes use of other creatures for your destruction. This he does in two ways, either leading them on to immoderate love, or to undue dislike or hatred. 
As soon as you notice a disorderly affection in those with whom you converse, observe the same precaution as in flying from the demon, yet with this difference, that while you hate him as your enemy, you consider the others as God's creatures to whom you must not deny the consideration due to them on account of his majesty. But in as far as withdrawing from them is concerned, act as if they were your enemies, for in regard to the service, which the Lord requires of you and in regard to your present condition, it is the devil who operates in these persons towards separating you from your God and from your duty. If on the other hand they hate and persecute you, answer them with meekness and love, praying for them with intimate affection of your heart, Matthew 5:44. If it should be necessary, soothe the wrath of your persecutors with sweet words, and undeceive those who are led astray by false reports. Do this not in order to excuse yourself, but in order to pacify your brothers and for their inward and outward peace, thus you will at one and the same time conquer yourself and those who hate you. In order to be well practiced in this way of acting it is necessary to cut off the very roots of the capital sins, to tear them out, and to die to the movements of the appetites. For in these appetites the seven capital vices to which the devil leads men are rooted, and in these disorderly and undisciplined passions he sows the germs of the seven sins.